Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to Tales of Recovery podcast. I'm going to be trying this so that I can put these videos on the Instagram grid as well as an audio. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I might um, pause here and there because this is a new thing. But, you know, sometimes it's fun to also have a video of whatever you're listening to. And, uh, you know, machismo or... I suppose it's the oppression of women is on the, it's a hot topic. It's always been a hot topic for me, but I want to talk about how even as women, we censor each other out specifically on this topic. And what came up yesterday, I was in Mexico. I live in San Diego at the border. I went down to Tijuana because I had an event where one of a really cool guy named Omar Foglio from Tijuana that this began this documentary about music in Tijuana in the nineties. And, you know, I was in several of those bands. I mean, one was Bodhisattva. So we, we talked a year ago about this and they ended up creating an album, a compilation of 13 bands that um, are going to be in this vinyl CD, this vinyl disc, like the old school ones, because, um, it's like a it's like a cultural historic project. It's really cool, and it all I think started because a sixteen year old in high school was told by his teacher to go investigate nineties music, and this kid went to some record stores and asked about what was going on in the nineties in Tijuana, and they didn't really have any footage. We, we didn't have the phones and all the social media that exists now. We literally had like flyers. We made posters, put them all around the city. We recorded our own demos in like little handmade machines or whatever we could get our hands on. I remember it took us like $100 to make one CD. This was after a recording, you know, in a studio. And so anyway, it was just a big historical thing. And I'm going to actually post here on the podcast the, uh, our album because we, my band actually did get re- signed and recorded and then it all fell through because of this machismo thing that I'm about to talk about. Um, well, maybe not just because of that, but definitely 80% of it was because of that. And so I'm getting ready to go to this event. And I call one of my friends because it's in Tijuana. And I call and I'm like, hey, are you going to go to this thing? It's a cultural center. It's a theater that used to be a movie, movie theater, I think. And there is, then it turned into a multicultural, multiculti, which one of them. Um, musicians, artists from Tijuana, Alex Uña, created into the space, or I don't know if he created, but he moved around uh, energies to make it a space of um, bands and concerts, and they were doing raves, and now it's like this really cool cultural place that has a coffee shop. It's a beautiful open-air theater where, of course, I'm already thinking we've got to produce a show here, some kind of fun event, but it's in the middle of uh, downtown Tijuana couple of blocks behind Avenida Revolución. And so, you know, it's not like the fanciest neighborhood, but it's also like it's full of life and restaurants and coffee shops and stores and farmacias because there's always drugstores everywhere in TJ. And so I called my friend. I said, hey, what's up? We're going to meet here. And she tells me this is a local friend. But wait, where are you going to park? Because... I already searched it and you need to park in this in this hotel because from there it's only two blocks to the place and is Julio coming and my friend is married to another woman so it's two women and I was like well Julio's not coming because he has something else to do and 
She said, I'm going to make it in time. So I'm just going by myself. She was like, oh, no. Julio was not going to be able to watch over us. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? We used to walk these streets and, you know, do this rock and roll and whatever all the time. Like, it's it's at 7 p.m. We're not walking around there by ourselves in the alley at 4 a.m. in the morning. And she's like, no, but it's dangerous. I'm like, well, okay. Well, I'll just meet you there, you know, whatever. So then I called the bass player and I was like, dude, where are you going to park? Like, because I just spoke to my friend and she's talking about, like we're in fucking El Paso, Texas, and we're going to get killed because we're women. He's like, no, no, it's not like that. But I'll meet you at the parking lot and we can all walk in together. And so I'm already thinking, what's going on? Like, I'm, I'm in TJ. I'm in Mexico all the time. I know some places are dangerous, but I also am aware that it's hit or miss. I mean, if you're going to slip in the fucking bathtub and die one day, that was it. That's what had to happen. Not going to walk around in fear or hiring security to walk with you or never go out because you're a woman and you don't have a man to accompany you. So I go down there and, you know, I looked around. There's parking right next to it. It wasn't even a big deal. You know, I just, you park, you pay, you walk right in. There was a coffee shop. There's a lot of people. And, but before that, I stopped at a place to have some, um, some soup. It was cold. I'm like, I need some warm soup. There was plenty of time before the event. So I stopped at the restaurant. I go to this parking lot. And now it comes this little guy. He's probably older than me. I don't know. And he greets me with saying, instead of giving me just a ticket, he's like, Hola, Linda. Here's your ticket. Like, hey, whatever, sweetie. And 20 years ago, 15 years ago, even five years ago, I would have been like, the fuck are you calling sweetie motherfucker this is like professional parking spot and i'm just here for the i mean i would have lost my shit this time however and i would have lost my shit because there's a lot of aggression towards women and this is how i grew up and we're kind of come to that in a bit but i i told the guy i was so regulated in my body i looked at him straight in the eye grabbed the ticket and i said thank you lindo thank you sweetie i got the ticket how much does it cost and he just like opened his eyes, like, you know, he didn't expect me to call him back, hey, sweetie, because of course he's the man, he's the aggressor. And some people might not consider that aggressive. And maybe it's not, maybe it's cultural. But when you are scared, like my friend was, to go park in a place without a man with you, you begin to understand why these comments can be aggressive and why it's a serious thing to consider the root of and a lot of people a lot of friends of mine minimize it and say oh come on just you know you know you'll be hating it when no one calls you sweetie and when you're like an old ugly hag blah 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 i'm like you're missing the point i don't need to be approved of by them calling me sweetie i'm just i want to be seen as another human being just like they are and i get terms of endearment in mexico and maybe i'm more of like in California, where everything is like, watch what you say, or you're going to get in trouble, and politically correct, and there's a lot more awareness, and yes, there's spectrums, and some of it, times it goes way over to the unnecessary spectrum of, you know, people getting offended over everything, but sometimes that's just what has to happen at first before it all balances out, because we've been, you know, called out and catcalled, and it's just been for so many years an oppressive system. 
that some privileged people or people that aren't really aware of it don't give a shit or you're just used to it. And so you don't, you know, I have friends that say, just get over it. <laughs> but I also posted a little clip of this on Instagram and a lot of women said, you know, it bugs the shit out of me too. Especially, you know, it's one thing that you're in your car in the parking lot and they call you something and you get upset about it. But it's another thing when you're walking down the street and some guys are like, hey, check it that. And it's like, whoa, whoa, are they going to come after me? Are they going to try to kill me? Are they going to try to rape me? Because my friend was talking like we're in El Paso. El Paso, Texas. You know, like, the, you know, Juarez, Ciudad Juarez. And so, well, yes, it is Tijuana, you know. But I mean, this could also happen right here in downtown or in San Diego or in Santee or in Paris. In it doesn't matter where you're at. It could happen anywhere. So I'm not pinpointing a specific place. However, I'm talking about my experience as a Mexican woman or as a woman that I don't like to be called cute little sweetie names. You know what I'm saying? So then I go inside the restaurant and it continues. Because I go in and some guy tells me also like, uh, bienvenida, abuelita, bienvenida, chiquita, some bullshit. And again, I did... I did, I would just look at him in the eye and I said, gracias chiquito. But not like, Ay, gracias chiquito. No, like, oh, gracias chiquito. Like, you're calling me chiquita, I'm calling you chiquito. Like, or guarita, guarita. I don't know what the fuck you call me. But it was like a little cute term of endearment, which for many years, yes, it's cultural, but also, no, I think it's aggressive. If, 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 um, and I said yesterday on the little post, if it was with Julio, or if it was my dad or my brother, he would not have called him, hello, chiquito, right? Joven, señor, señor guapo, maybe like some dumb comic because Mexicans are really funny and cute. And, and there's a lot of charisma about how you talk to each other. But with women, it's like, you know, it's a thing. It's a thing and rage becomes her because it's been a deep, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of aggression and oppression and women getting raped and killed and nobody gives a shit nobody does anything so yeah there's a root to this and but also I was very aware of my surroundings I knew I was safe and I think I've just been whoops sorry microphone problems here um practicing these deep embodiment practices of regulation and breath and releasing that I did not that I noticed and I paid attention that I didn't lose my shit and slapped him and got all angry. I was very, I mean, I did get angry later, but at the time I was just like looking him in the eye, calling him a chiquito. He felt very uncomfortable, which of course is a point because you're making me feel uncomfortable. And then I went, whatever, I had my soup and then I went to the event. And by the way, earlier in the day I was thinking well what do we wear to these things because you know we used to be it was all these bands and it was all these shows and you know we used to I used to always to always dress up to go up on stage really fun cool shiny outfits and you know red leather pants or like sparkly skirts and I thought you know I'm just gonna wear really baggy jeans mm. and just my regular tops leather jacket whatever and then I thought why do I wear baggy jeans? First of all, because I always wear baggy jeans. I love them. But also because if you, if as a woman, walk in there with leggings or tight jeans, immediately I'm not comfortable. 
Like, if it was an old woman's event, I wouldn't give a fuck. I'd go in pajamas, I'd go in shorts, I'd go. But with guys, it's like, I don't want them looking at my ass. I want them looking at my face, into my eyes, into my soul, right? Into the laughter, into the essence of who I really am, not just, oh, she's hot. She's wearing these pants. Look at that ass, even though she's 50 years old, blah, blah, blah. And not, it wasn't conscious. I didn't think about that while I was choosing what I was going to wear. Um, and who knows what I would have worn if it was a concert. Maybe I would have worn something else because it's different. So it's not like I'm, you know, maybe, maybe biased or whatever. I'm not even sure if that's making sense. But it was a subconscious choice also because, you know, my friend's telling me that it could be like San Juarez because you're not going to wear those sexy pants to be on the streets. And I just think that sucks. I wonder if men think about that. Like, do you have to choose what you wear in order to be, quote unquote, safe, not harassed, and to be able to be seen as who you are besides just some piece of meat, sexualized piece of meat. And this friend that was very scared, I afterwards I told her, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, we used to be so punk rock and we didn't give a shit who was, you know, what do you mean? Oh, there's no men to protect us. I mean, we're in a group, you know, we're all together. Like, she's like, you know, I, have, I don't really go out much. Uh, since COVID, I'm just at home. I see all my pages at home. I don't really, and I listen to all the news. And so there's like this fear-based oppressiveness that sneaks into your your software right the software of the brain because we've known all along that well you better not be walking by yourself in the zona rosa in at two in the morning but we did it anyways mind you we were not wearing little tiny skirts and heels because who the fuck wants to wear heels anyways i never liked heels it's like to me to me you do you boo i'm not judging or anything i just think heels are a bullshit because first of all, they hurt your feet. First of all, I'm super tall, so I don't need heels. Third of all, again, they hurt your feet. And it's not a natural thing to wear. Like, I'll wear cowboy boots and maybe some fun platforms. And it's just a matter of choice. But of course, you're not going to wear little heels and boots to go out by yourself till four in the morning because that's just dumb. And I guess that's the whole point of this aggression. Why is it dumb? Why can't you wear what the fuck you want and be okay and be safe and not be exposing yourself to get fucking raped or taken over by some guy who doesn't have control of himself you know who isn't practiced and self-regulated who isn't connected to the earth and the elements into himself and just sees oh there's a beautiful chick but i'm gonna just notice and allow and not harass her what gives them the right to think that they can just come all over you and since they're stronger, maybe hurt you. And there's so many reasons behind that, you know, whatever, this instinct, this, whatever, oppression, religious oppression, all this Puritan bullshit. But it comes down to, I think, awareness and community. Because, I mean, people are fucked up. I know people are crazy, but there's also a lot of really cool people. Like I tell you, there was 150 people in this event, and we must have been maybe out of those 150 people, maybe 15 of us were women. Everybody else was a man. And I thought, you know, here we were, or here I was, 
in this band land in the early 90s, only with men in the band. I mean, there was a couple of girls here and there, but it was just dealing with guys. And I got up to say thank you uh, at the event to the to Omar Foglio, the guy who curated this whole thing. And I said, you know, because in one of the bands that, that was in the group, La Borrasca, I used to sing with them, but we ended up always, always, we would always fight. We would always argue. Um, you know, the drummer was teasing me about like, yeah, when they kicked you out, I'm like, they didn't kick me out. I told them to go fuck themselves. Um, and I left. <laughs> but I don't really remember what happened. There was a lot of partying going on and a lot of, I mean, we were 19, 20. There was so much energy, so much creativity, so much passion. And of course, we all, you know, um, there was going to be conflict. And the, the guy was a great composer, but, you know, whatever. We just weren't coming together with ideas. And I left and I made my own band, Bodhisattva. And after several years of touring and going around here and there, but it was always around a shit ton of men, a lot of guys. And I never really felt uncomfortable. But again, rock and roll, jeans and Doc Martens and covered up, you know, I, I would have never thought about wearing a teeny little skirt. I think I tried the tiny little skirt once or twice when I was younger to go out to the baby rock, even though my mom was like, don't wear a tiny skirt. So we'd get in the car and change the outfit and wear the tiny skirt and walk in. So people guys would look at you. And then I was like feeling so uncomfortable, so uncomfortable. And some of my girlfriends really liked it. They were like, oh, look, he's looking at me. And here I am shaking my ass and the high heels and I'm going to get laid. And I was like, that's, that's just fucking no mommy's way. It was just so, I couldn't. I'm like, you know, I think maybe it was one time I think I did that. And I, it was like walking into a zoo or into like a wilderness. And here you are, this little deer, and there's all these really hungry tigers walking behind you looking at you and no well it didn't work for me it was too uncomfortable and so yeah so I never did the little scripting um and then to go out at night and then party with like you do when you're young and you have those energies and you want to go into that type of tribal <laughs> environment because it's just a different type of tribal environment. And so uh, I kind of lost my train of thought here with the little skirt, but coming back to the um, being in the bands in the nineties and what we would wear. And I was, you know, in Mexico city and I was really lucky to have cool people, cool guys in, in my, around me, my surrounding buddies and the bands in all bands, even the ones that I fought with would always like looking out for me. They were all good kids, good families. There was no, didn't really meet any. I mean, a couple assholes here and there, but I was probably participating in being an asshole too here and there. But for the most part, all the guys were really looking out for me. And also the goddess, cosmic mother earth, because nothing really horrible ever happened to me. And I do have a lot of friends that, you know, were attacked or or, or raped. And, and so I do think my guardians was watching over me because I was getting in a lot of trouble, but it was also, I was just noticing how, and there I was as a woman with all these guys walking around. And I looked, a lot of times I did walk around by myself in ugly parts of Mexico city, like dangerous parts of Mexico city. And so, you know, 
looking back, we've been so lucky as women, as girls, um, and also not very lucky. And part of the purpose of this podcast is if you're my age, if you're 50 or, you know, or even 40 and above, or even 30 and above, it's just important to notice those women ahead of us that cleared up this space. And I've been thinking about saying this since I did a little post about my mom and how I missed her and how the last year that we were together, she was dying was so special because uh, we were talking about how oppressed she had been. And she would tell me, no, I wasn't. It was great. I said, you know, mom, I don't really think you're getting the point. You're privileged and had a husband who took care of you. And so you were taught that you don't, you shouldn't complain and that you're okay and that you're not oppressed. But clearly in the forties, they weren't telling you as a woman to go to college, to prepare yourself, to grow, you know, to do your own thing. I mean, all your brothers went to law school and other universities and they all got their degrees. They weren't allowed or even encouraged to not study because whatever, you'll find a rich woman to marry you. No, that was a woman thing. And so you, you know, this oppression isn't like you're getting always whipped and hidden in the closet and raped. But no, it's subtle. It's subtle and you're made to believe that as a woman, as long as you look good, some guy's going to come and marry you and then you don't have to worry about anything anymore. And then you're stuck there 20 years later with kids, the guy's cheating on you. I mean, I have a lot of amazing friends that are so fucking cool, but they have this lifestyle with rich husbands and then they can't really leave because they didn't do anything for 20 years career-wise. So now what the fuck are they going to do? Go work at a retail store? So they stay and pretend everything's okay and take a lot of, you know, pills to numb out because, well, might as well just fucking stay and ignore the dude or maybe once in a while get back in love with him, blah, blah, blah. And whatever, I get it. You have to survive. But the point I'm making is it all comes down to the same system of oppression, of machismo, of women not being prepared. So again, if you're 50 and have a career of 40, 30, good on you. But also thank those women ahead of you, like your mom, your grandma, your great grandma. And even if they were pissed off and bad and like mean to you, they had a reason to be mean to you. It doesn't excuse it, but we can understand it. Because more of the frustration. I mean, I was able to look this dude in the eye at my age, after meditating 15 fucking years and doing all this work and being empowered and, you know, empowering my mom and my sister through my you know my child and my daughter and now they weren't able to do that and so and now I can look this dude in the eye and just be like right back at you chulito pendejo you know however my mom and her mom and their mom maybe a grandma weren't able to do that they had to play the part they had to shape shift into these like polite complacent women doing what they're supposed to do because they didn't have a choice. And so this is to dedicate it to them that didn't have a choice and honoring their sacrifice, quote unquote, sort of sacrifice. And all of those other women, Isabel Allende and all these probably, all the women that are out, that have been outing and doing what the fuck they want, creating their own money. That's another thing. 
if you want to be free of this bullshit, you have to make your own money. You have to create your own money, your own business. You can have a cool partner and share, of course. I'm not saying you have to be on your own. That's great. But independence is with your own creativity, your own money. And you can support each other if you want to have kid babies. I know it's hard, blah, blah, blah. But it's doable. It's doable. You can do it all in community. Like I mentioned earlier. So we, it's important to have these groups, these communities that support us. And unfortunately, sometimes those communities suck ass and you end up fighting them at a freaking church or at some dumb society group or whatever you need to do to just a little bit of time to get through until you find or create. Create your own cool group of neighbors and um, friends that, that assist, that, you know, that you can create this community with. Because that, that's where it's at. We're not going to make it trusting and hoping that the government's going to save everything. We have to create communities and groups of support like-minded you know that that will help us out when you have you know to babysit or to bring you a meal when you're sick or or that you can collaborate in projects with and support each other as um as people of the earth (laughs) to um and as women to be able to to sustain ourselves without having to depend on men and on this oppressive construct that isn't now just of men, because as women, we participate in it. You know, it's like a survival thing. Um, and this survival thing is very harmful. And can be very harmful. So this is a podcast to acknowledge those that have gone before us, those that are able to now be aware and not be dumb, but be able to look these motherfuckers in the eye and say, I don't really think you need to call me that. Well, it's just, I don't really like it. And if they're not going to listen, you can be so freaking worked and regulated that you can just dismiss it and have compassion for those motherfuckers that don't know what they're doing. Been there. <laughs> That's what they saw. And children learn what they live. So us, us as mothers, and sisters as friends, we're leading the new way and we're changing things around. And, and you know, I don't, you know, if, if I want to go out and be who I want to be and wear what I want to wear and own my, own my you know, sensuality, my body, whatever, um, it's about being wise, right? Wise with it. You can do that on my music video if I want to. I can do that on stage, at my house, at a woman, at a festival. But maybe I'm not going to go do that at four in the morning in a Sona Rosa, right? And of course that sucks, but that's just life. We're just going to have to deal with what life is throwing at us right now. And do something to change it, of course. And so this event was really cool. And I, I was very kind of proud of myself to have been, you know, navigating this, this space of so many guys. And here I am a a woman vocalist and there was a shit ton of women vocalists. There always has been, but, but still, um, but still it was the early nineties and it was, it was just, it was a different space. You know, I don't think I went 150% at it all the way. Oh, because by the way, I was sober doing this. (laughs) Yes, I was. I was clean and sober, 
so much more awkward moments up on stage looking at people like uh. so it took my practice it, it I had to practice getting feeling that feeling that freedom and allowing because I've been drinking since I was you know 15 um just to be able to be okay in my skin with this system of oppression not just the woman oppression and the body thing but also like what you're doing how your hair looks what you're thinking what you're saying so there was a lot of things that I was barely working out and so that's another that's another thing I noticed like you know it was intense doing this and one of the reasons once we we were we were signed and we recorded a, one our first album right it was this contract which I also was so pressured into you know there was this really cool chick who wanted to be our manager and the guy who had signed us would keep calling me on the phone from Mexico City saying uh well well who's going to be your manager is she going to be your manager or is she or am I is she or are you is she and I was like well you know do we even need a manager because and that's one of the funny things that Poncho, one of the drummer the drummer from Mexican Jumping Frijoles was saying in the 90s we did the recordings we did the programming we did the flyers we did the promotions we did you know sound check system everything after a while yeah we had somebody doing the sound and rented you know the equipment but we were still really producing everything so when you get signed and you're young, they're like, you need a manager or producer. We're like, no, we can just do this. Like, you don't even think that these are things that are necessary or that are key, actually, in continuing to create your art. And so this guy was pressuring, pressuring, pressuring. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess we don't need this manager. She's like, she's younger than me. I don't, I don't care. Whatever. You just do it. Mm-hmm. Bad mistake, bad mistake, because, you know, whatever. That was one of the things I noticed, because you know, and it was, but also it was just, I felt so much pressure from this dude, then whatever we do, the album, blah, 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 some other shit happened with the band. And there, I'm going to, I'm going to say there was pressure to, you know, make out with this dude, whoever or jump in the sack and other girls I know during that era were doing it. And I was like, no, I'm going to fuck around with them. Of course I was sober. Who knows what would have happened if I was still partying it up, but it was just not aligned at all. 150% at all with what I'm not going to wear a fucking little skirt. I'm not going to fuck you either. So that this record goes on. I don't give a shit. I'll play other music. And that, among other things, and I didn't really realize the pressure. Um, and I sometimes look back and think, maybe, well, maybe I didn't want, want it that bad, you know, because some, you know, at one point, these guys at the record company said, well, if you wore this little outfit with these old boots and we let go of the musicians and it's just going to be you, or you can be more like Alejandra Guzman or like this other chick that's doing it. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? no. This is like poetry. And I know it wasn't mainstream what we were doing, but it was the 90s. There was like an indie movement. There was like, I mean, it's mainstream now. <laughs> if anything, we were ahead of our time. Maybe it wasn't the most amazing composition, but it was fun. And no, I wasn't going to wear little skirts or fuck the producer guy or the guy from the record label. And so they put our record all the way in the bottom of a drawer and they said, well, fuck you. Um, and that's another thing I feel... I don't, it's not 100% to blame on machismo and because I didn't do it, but 
but it's a way to move up and it sucks. And I'm kind of proud of myself that I didn't take part of it. There's still time to create music. There's still time to put your art there, you know, which by the way, maybe hopefully coming soon, like a few more compositions from uh, the band, but it was just interesting to, to talk to, you know, catching up, talking about that. Like these producers weren't hitting up on the bass player, the guitar player or the drummer or the other guitar player. None of them had to have this experience. So yes, yes, when you lose your shit because the motherfucker's, you know, winking at you or cat calling you, go fuck yourself. <laughs> go fuck yourself. Literally, man. Literally go fuck yourself. And, um, and we will continue this fight, this liberation, this woman empowerment. And it is a balancing act. Yes, we love our men. And out of this beautiful, you know, transformation, we can include them in our things. And I'm going to read to you guys. I wrote it in Spanish, this post, but I'm going to translate it into English so those that weren't able to understand it in Spanish can hear here. And it's just a picture about how much work, um, you know, how how impactful it was, like the last year of our life, right? How we connected and how we talked about these oppressive systems and not just against the women, but in general with family and stuff. And um, here goes, here's the post. This is what it says. Let's see if I can translate word for word still. I'm in this picture with my mom. I'll show it to you guys here. And I'm probably going to use it for the podcast post. And it says, we're here trying to have fun, realizing and confronting with deep, deep love and strength, the intense reality that sometimes life brings us, brings to us. And it says, the more work, the more inner work that we do, the more we can be present and alive and aware of whatever comes at us, no matter the intensity of it. It says, I don't know about you, mom, but I try to be present, aware, conscious, grateful, and always, always practicing. Yoga, breath, taking care of what I put in my body, our nutrition, except for all of the chocolates that you always wanted. But all of these practices sustained us, sustained all of us. And the last two years of your life were such a gift, comprehending together finally the subtle oppression of women that we avoid to recognize because we're told that we're privileged. So we swim in this avoidance. And when I was finally able to see you as just another woman, a sister, Angana Carnala, with her own internal fights, her own dreams, some came, come, some coming true, some not coming true, and all these systems of oppression of a society that sometimes is just so fucking annoying. And choosing in your integrity, mom, and in your protection of the what will they say, everything changed. So I think I'm trying to, this translation is not coming through, but what I'm saying is everything changed once I understood that you, in your integrity and in your protection of what will they say in this like caste system we live in, you know, all, I understood that and all of the 
resentment and judgment that I had towards you just melted away. Understanding. Understanding is a profound river that guides us to the liberation of forgiveness. It's very difficult to be a woman in Mexico. Actually, everywhere I stay. But it's also the most incredible and beautiful and powerful thing. I mean, to be a woman, to give birth. And I just say thank you so much for opening the road, my road, and so for so many other women that are walking around in this necessary and radical change for equality and balance. Free women, independent women, strong women, so full of love. And from this change, opening our arms to our men in a different in a different manner. With balance, mutual respect, freedom, zero, so zero like another, like a quote-unquote service and all those stupid bullshits that this horrible patriarchy has imposed on us, this patriarchy that's on its way out. Yes, alert, it's on its way out. Might still be some time before things go all the other way, but, I, you know... <laughs> There's a huge, huge shift, and it's falling. And may we have the strength to sustain ourselves and our communities through this. Then I just say thank you, Mama, for your love, for your for your laughter, for all for all your understanding. But the and you know, but the point here was that she opened the way for me, and I'm opening the way for my daughter, and my daughter for her daughter, and for her friends. And so it's congratulations, all of you ladies out there. All of you women, all of you lesbians, all of you days and whatever we call ourselves nowadays, it doesn't matter. We're in these bodies that have the capacity to give birth and create. We've been oppressed by that. So we're taking it back calmly, empowered. And yes, like my mama would say, in style, which is, so that's it, man. That's, that's, the, that's the story for today. Thank you all for listening or watching if you're watching this video. This video is going to go on uh, Instagram little video thing and also on the YouTube thing. And thank you for listening to Tales of Recovery. Please share, like, subscribe. Uh, write a little comment if you want and I love getting all your feedback keep sending those messages it's amazing to listen and to hear that it's just impactful sometimes to hear that some people were like I can't believe you said that and to me it's like what do you mean is that wrong like we have to say these things and a little small announcement here as well there's a retreat coming up that I'm hosting with two really cool powerful women it's uh, April 18th by the Guadalupe, and it's a smaller capacity. We're only going to be able to host 16, 16 women this time around. Um, so, yes, if you, we haven't announced it yet. We haven't like, put it out in the ether, but it's, if you're interested in coming, let me know, and I'll put you on the wait list. Thank you again, everyone, for joining, and may you be well, may you be empowered. You'd be proud of how far you have come. And thank you, mom and grandmas and all the other women ahead of us.
Ashe.